God, this hour, this hour of worship, we need you. And this hour in our lives, we need you. And this hour in our nation, we need you. And this hour in our community, we need you. And this hour in our family, we need you. Wherever we may be worshiping right now, whether it be a living room or a front seat of a car or on break at work, we need you, we need you, we need you. Would you come now, God, and meet us in the way that only you can as we listen to your scriptures, as we sense the Spirit moving in our hearts and speaking to our hearts in the deep places of our lives to the deep place of your heart, God. Come and and meet us here, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It is great to be in worship with you. My name's Jacob, one of the pastors here at Providence Church, and we're starting today a new series called Jesus Changed My Life. That's something we say around here, Jesus Changed My Life, (laughs) Jesus Changed My Life. But what I want you, what I need you to know as we start, though, is that Jesus has changed my life, like for real, Jesus has changed my life. I could recount to you a thousand times when Jesus has sort of gently gotten me back on the path, or um, I could tell you a few times where Jesus saved me from what I'm sure would have been destruction on my own. Jesus was somebody I met and talked to when I was a kid, uh, an anxious kid at night as I was falling asleep, uh, laying in the dark. I would talk to Jesus. It's where I really first encountered him, and uh, we would just kind of hold on to each other uh, in the night. I remember this time I was 15 years old, actually as a part of the student ministry of the church that I was a, a part of, we had gone away on a retreat. I remember I was 15. I'd heard about the love of God my whole life, but I, I remember this moment where I realized that it was actually for me, uh, not just something we talked about or something we sung about, but that Jesus loved me. And that was a moment that, that Jesus changed my life. And what we're going to do for the next uh, few weeks together is just Look to Jesus and think on Jesus. Like, I, don't, I don't know if you notice, like we've been, Mark and I, we've been trying to teach through pandemic. Uh, for the last few weeks, we've been trying to get ourselves ready for a national election and division in our land. And what we're going to do for the next few weeks, guys, is just look to Je- Jesus and think on Jesus and turn our hearts <laughs> to Jesus and cling to Jesus and pray to Jesus. We're just going to turn our attention fully to Jesus. And my most sincere prayer, I just prayed it before I walked up here, my most sincere prayer is that some of you who are watching would have some moment during the next few weeks where you would say, Jesus changed my life. Or, or maybe some moment, or just a little bit different tense, where you would say, Jesus has changed my life, and I need to mark that moment. I need to do something I need to, I need to uh, testify to that. I need to, I need to, to show someone or, or, or tell someone. Some of you have been around Providence for a while. There was this thing that happened in the life of our church last year, like actually right around this time of the year. Uh, well, going back a few months, in, uh, in last year, in August and September, there was just sort of this movement, and we could feel it. We could feel it because people were sharing with us that Jesus was changing their lives, and they were saying, like, what do I do now? What can I do now? Can I be baptized? That kind of thing. And so it was such a, a big movement. We were trying to just sort of stay out of the way that we set up this night um, in October of last year, a baptism night where people could come and be baptized 
That would be the whole focus is just Jesus changing people's lives. And it surprised us. We had never done that before. We have people getting baptized all the time. But that night we had something like 88 people who said they would be baptized uh, or recommit their lives to Christ in in a marker kind of moment. And then this thing happened. It was a Thursday night and it bled into the weekend where we had several more services. But uh, like 10 more people came forward, and then another 10 came forward, and then another 10, and another 10, and another 10. And we had uh, people that were just giving their lives to Jesus. Now, some of them were wearing these shirts that said, Jesus changed my life. Those were the people who had, like, signed up, you know. Um, but people were coming forward to the tub just in, you know, a flannel shirt or a sweater and blue jeans, and they're taking their cell phone out of their pocket, and they're getting in the water, and we just experienced this great movement of God. The movement of God was expressed simply by people saying, yes, yes, Jesus, yes, Jesus, yes, Jesus. Uh, One of the people who came forward that night, his name was Lee Turner. Uh, Lee's a musician here in Nashville, a great musician. In fact, you know, I'll I'll be watching TV and see him on an award show in the back, grinning, playing the guitar, playing the piano, or on a late night talk show. But uh, Lee was one of those who on that Thursday marked his life by coming to the water and being baptized. And actually, I'm going to let him share a little bit of his story with you. So here's Lee. My name is Lee Turner. My wife and I have been attending... Providence Church for about three years now. My walk with Christ is a interesting longer story, but I can wrap it up in about seven years ago. Um, I became sober and I couldn't walk this life without God, without Christ in my life. And he is the most important thing in my life. And I, that changed me as a person. And really brought me to be the person that I am today, in a nutshell. (laughs) I don't think there's been a time that I've ever struggled with my relationship with Christ, but there's definitely been seasons where I've been further away from Christ, and there's some seasons where it's closer. And I do find that when He is closer, things are a lot easier. Jesus has changed my life in a way that I like to live my life being open and honest. And I think following in his footsteps or being wanting to be more like Jesus puts you in a really good place to be open, honest, be yourself and be a good human being. When I hit the water and I went under, it was a feeling like I've never felt before. I didn't feel the water except when it was coming off my face and everything felt like it was being washed away. I have goosebumps right now. (laughs) Maybe some things in my past were still weighing on me and holding me down a little bit. Um, but I just wanted to do this and show my commitment to Christ. And it was like a new beginning. It was fresh. And it, yeah. So cool <laughs> to hear Lee tell the story. It's something really cool. And I didn't know this when I asked Lee if we could share his story on this day. So this uh, worship service is uh, going live for the first time on Sunday, November the 8th. And actually, Today, Sunday, November the 8th, is um, eight years sober for Lee Turner. (laughs) And so we celebrate his testimony of saying, yes, because Jesus can change your life. What we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to look at three 
uh, life-changing moments in the life of a guy named Paul. Some of you have heard me say that name before. Maybe you haven't. Paul wrote, actually wrote most of what is called the New Testament in the Bible. So the Bible has a first part called the Old Testament, and then the second part called the New Testament is where we learn about the life of Jesus, hear about the early church, and most of the New Testament are actually letters that this guy Paul wrote. And they sound like uh, Romans or 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Philippians. These were letters that Paul wrote, and we have been teaching from Paul a bunch over the last season. In fact, if you've been with us, like the Lifeline series was all coming from letters that, that Paul had written, or if you were with us before that in the summer where we looked at the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all those things, that was an image that Paul gave us. But what I'm excited about for these next few weeks is that we're actually not going to just have Paul as our teacher, but we're actually going to sort of hear from his heart about how God changed him. So rather than just going line by line by what Paul said, we're gonna look at what he says God did, how Jesus actually met him. So our first one today is a famous story of Paul. He is walking down a road to a place called Damascus. And so you'll hear this referred to as Paul's Damascus Road experience. And that's because he was walking down the road to this particular place. You'll notice in the story that the name that is given is Saul because that was actually Paul's real name. That was the name given to him from his parents. He grew up as Saul. And a little bit later in his Christian life, he becomes referred to as Paul. But don't get bogged down in that. Just know that when we're talking about Saul in this story, it's the same Paul that we'll be talking about for the next couple of weeks. So this story comes from Acts chapter 9. And something significant about this, just to remember, is that this was not written by Paul. This was written about Paul. So a little bit different perspective than we usually get about who he is and what's happened. So Acts chapter 9 verse 1 says, Meanwhile, Saul, that's Paul, was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. So you heard that right. Paul, who becomes this great teacher, great leader, great pastor, this person who will give his life for Jesus. His story, as we hear it, starts out with him breathing out murderous threats against Jesus' disciples. In fact, we know that at least in one occasion, Paul consented to and approved of the murder of someone who followed Jesus. It's actually the first Christian martyr. His name is Stephen. So the first person killed for the name of Jesus. While that happened, Paul was standing by approving of it. It's like the coats of the people who are throwing the stones. Paul was hanging on to them for them. So it says in verse 2 that Saul went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, the way are the people who are following Jesus, Jesus' disciples, whether men or women, he, Saul, might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So he's going to Damascus to round up some Christians and take them to jail. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul asked, who are you, Lord? And the voice responds, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So uh, let me pause there. There's a little bit more to the story. But Paul, who's come to search out Christians, but never really met Jesus, is suddenly uh, stopped in this place and uh, I just want to lift a couple of things up before we move on. The first is this. You can actually despise Jesus followers and still not be able to avoid Jesus changing your life. 
So you can like try to get away from Jesus followers. And I, I see it all the time and I, and I get it, you know, and I, I'm sharing that to say there may be some of you watching this right now who um, uh, you might consider yourself a skeptic or somebody coaxed you into watching this or your grandmother sent you a link to a sermon and said that you need to watch this. And, and what I want you to hear is that you can actually despise Jesus followers. I love Jesus followers, but I get it. They can drive me absolutely nuts. And you may be in a place where you've been burned by Christians or hurt by Christians or disgusted by Christians, or maybe just this year has been the year that Christians have disappointed you more than you ever thought possible. But I just want you to know that that's okay. That will not keep this Jesus from, from seeking you out and coming after you. And that was exactly what happened in Paul's life, that while he was on this journey of, of just kind of figuring out life and being mad and, and taking it out on people and all those kind of things, he's walking down a road and this light comes from heaven and it stops him. You know, Jesus' first step in changing your life may be to stop you. I, I hear us uh, sensing and feeling like we're kind of paused right now or, or, or things are stopped in our lives or the things that we wanted to do we can't do or the things we thought we were gonna be able to do somehow aren't within our grasp anymore. And, and I think it's a moment that we can take stock, all of us, okay, everybody watching this, even those of you who've, who've uh, been on the journey a long time and say, Am I stopped right now because Jesus wants to get my attention? Am I paused right now because Jesus wants to say something to me? Now, I'm not saying that every time there's a pause button on your life that that's Jesus trying to get your attention, but could we ask ourselves and say, why can't I see right now? Why am I so blinded? Why am I so stopped? Why am I on the ground? Why do I have to have someone to help me up? Maybe this is a step that Jesus is going to use to actually change us, transform us, move in our lives, do something with us. Here's what Jesus says uh, to, so Paul is on the ground. He, he hears this voice speaking to him. He's like, who are you, Lord? And he says, it's me, it's Jesus, the person you're coming against. And then Jesus says this to him, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The reason I love this is because Paul is such a hero of the faith, but when he had his first encounter with Jesus, he had to get up and walk and go somewhere, and he had no idea what was gonna happen. He did not know what the next steps were gonna be. He did not know what this encounter with Jesus was gonna mean for the rest of his life. He had to be obedient in that moment when he still couldn't see, and he had no strength to go where Jesus told him to go. I bring that up because I see a couple of things when I'm encountering people who are, are um, wanting to know more about Jesus, maybe give their lives to Jesus. And you have to understand, you may, can maybe sense it, my whole passion in life is seeing people connect with Jesus. And I've got to see that over and over. I told you a, a month last year, we saw, I don't know, 150 people come and do it. But there's these two kind of things that I hear people say sometimes where they're trying to see if they will be disqualified <laughs> from connecting with Jesus. So I'm gonna call those not prerequisites for life change with Jesus. So these are things that you think are gonna keep you out, but they're actually not prerequisites for life change with Jesus. The first one is this, I need to have everything figured out about Jesus. And I hear that over and over when people come up to the tub, you know, and they've got their clothes on and they're taking their cell phone out. They're, they're like, I, you know, they're wondering who this Jesus really is. They're, they'll say to me, I don't really know who Jesus is. I haven't read the Bible all that much, you know. Uh, I'll have parents say it to me. It's like, he's 11. Is he really gonna know who, all about who Jesus is? And I will say to them, no, he will not. <laughs> 
And that is not a prerequisite for life change with Jesus. Now, don't mishear me. It doesn't mean that you don't need to understand what it means. You do need to understand what it means to give your life to Jesus. You do need to understand what it means to be baptized. You don't have to understand all that it means. You see, if I had known, uh, if I had waited, like with my wife, Rachel, if I'd waited to have everything figured out about her before I married her, then I never would have because I'm still figuring her out. It's maybe not a good example. Let's edit that out. But you see what I'm saying? Like with a relationship, uh, you can't have it all figured out before you go all in. And the same is true with Jesus. Do you need to know Jesus before you get baptized? Absolutely you do. You need to know in your heart that you know Jesus. Do you need to know all about Jesus? No way. There's no way. Your whole life, he'll be revealing himself to you. Your whole life, he'll be showing you how much more his grace is than you thought it was when you, when you started. Your whole life, he'll be challenging you to go further than you thought you would have to go. Your whole life, he will be asking you to sacrifice and sacrifice and sacrifice. You won't have it all figured out in that moment. You don't have to have it all figured out about Jesus. And in the same way, a second not prerequisite for life change with Jesus is you don't have to have everything figured out about what this means for my life. Those are the questions we ask. Jesus, if I give my life to you, how is this gonna affect my marriage? How is this gonna affect my hobbies? How is this gonna affect my career? You will not have the answers to those questions. There, there's a part of this that is this big step. You know, that's what Paul was doing. He had, he had built his whole life as this sort of religious expert and zealot, and he thought he knew exactly how that was gonna be, and then Jesus sought him out on a street and he fell to the ground and suddenly he couldn't see and they were helping him up and he did not know what it would mean. Jesus said, get up and go into the city. I'll tell you more about what it means later. I have to be honest with you about that. So another way of saying that is you can have a life-changing experience with Jesus and have no idea what you're supposed to do for a while. And so you might think like, why would I take that deal? Why would I do that? Well, some of us feel blind and we want to see again. Some of us feel empty and we're experiencing a filling of the Holy Spirit. And so, um, like Paul, uh, you know, whose goal was to go out and, you know, sniff out every Christian in Damascus and throw him in jail, well, he had no idea that Jesus, who's sometimes called the great hound of heaven, was on his scent and found him and sought him out and gave him the thing that he didn't even know that he needed. But you might not know what you're supposed to do for a while. And so what do you do? Where do you go? You go where Jesus has asked you to go. The reason you take the deal is because you've encountered the resurrected Jesus and you're experiencing this thing called faith. And so you just start stepping into it step after step after step. You know, Paul would say a little bit later on in his journey, he would say, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You see what Paul was saying? He, there's no place that Paul said, once you have Jesus fully figured out in your mind and in your heart, once you have the Bible memorized and once you know exactly what the plan will look like for your life, every step of the way, you will be saved. That's not what he says. He says, once you say, Lord, Jesus, and believe, why would you believe that Jesus is resurrected? Because he's encountering your life alive, and you feel alive. And so this change starts happening in you. Back to Paul's story. In Acts chapter 9, it says, in Damascus. So while Paul's out on the, on the road and then led in blind, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. And the Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. 
Yes, Lord, he answered. And the Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he's praying. In a vision, he's seen a man named Ananias, that's you, (laughs) come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Here's Ananias' response. He says, Lord, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem. He's come here. They've heard. They know that Jesus' disciples know. Paul has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and all the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. We'll get to that later. Then Ananias, he went to Straight Street to the house of Judas. And he enters it, and there's a guy named Saul on the floor, can't see, and he's praying. And Ananias places his hands on Saul. Listen to how he speaks to him. He says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales started falling from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up. He was baptized right in that moment. After he ate something, he finally started to feel strong again. Look, when you encounter the resurrected Jesus, you'll be ready for water to be poured over your head, and you'll start walking in faith where he's leading you, even though you won't know exactly where you're going. Because if you confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you believe that because he's encountered you, then you'll be saved. And the reason that any of us would do that is because we want to be able to see again. When we hear a story like Lee's or a story like Saul, and we think, I want the scales to fall off my eyes because I can tell I'm walking through this world and it's murky and, and I feel blinded. Or you may just feel like I need some strength to keep going. I love the part about Ananias, and I wanted to read to you that part of the story because Ananias represents the church. Don't you see? Saul's this guy who despises all the followers of Jesus, and here's Ananias just going about his business. He doesn't have it all figured out. In fact, he's arguing with God. He said, you sure you got the right plan that I'm supposed to go see the guy who's arresting all of us? But it's Ananias, the one that Saul actually despised, that has to be the one that helps Saul get to the water. And so you don't have to like all the Jesus followers, but you will have to be open at some point on the journey that those of us who were once walking right where you walked, who don't have it all figured out ourselves yet either, will be the ones that will help you get in the water so your life can be changed. And so you kind of can figure out maybe where you are in this story. Maybe you're one of those, you're like, I've been wanting to be as far away from the church, as far away as Jesus followers. I've been disappointed in them, disgusted in them, and yet... I sense that I am in need of a filling of a spirit that I have not yet known. Or maybe you're in a stopped place right now. You're kind of paused. And this is a moment where you want to say, Who, where are you in this, Jesus? Are you in this, Jesus? And see what he says to you. Or maybe, uh, yeah, you just need to see again. And, and you know that this is a moment where God is calling you to, to be faithful again and walk in faith as he has asked you to. I've got another video. This is of Christy and Jeff, who are from that baptism night. And what I want you to listen to as you hear their story is listen for the elements of the story that we just heard about Saul. I think they're all in there. So this is um, uh, Christy and Jeff. 
My name is Christy Larkin. My name is Jeff Larkin. Jesus has changed my life, uh, man, so many ways. Uh, I am someone that kind of went through uh, a lot of different things and then uh, found through Christy, who uh, had gotten involved with the church here and man, just uh, started reading my Bible, started getting, uh, digging back into some things that from my past that I had let slip away um, and just really started changing the way I was living my life. We have just been so blessed by Jesus and uh, everything we have. I mean, he's just given us so much, so much we don't deserve. And just he keeps pouring out love and mercy to us every day. I was going to church quite often and church was pulling me. I mean, it was definitely pulling me in a direction and he was very resistant and didn't want to, to follow. And it, we went through a lot, but um, it, it, it brought us closer. It definitely has brought us closer in our, in our relationship. So I have never been baptized. Um, honestly, I've wanted to be baptized for years of being here and it took a night like tonight giving my life back to christ tonight uh, really did feel awesome it was something that i know i'd been missing for a while uh, something i really wanted to do and i was so nervous but then i suddenly just i felt i just got, had this peace and i in this joy when i went in the water uh as i came out there was just uh i don't know just this Relief, I think, is maybe the best way to say it. We're sharing these stories of Christy and Jeff and Saul and Lee as a way for us to think about where God is calling us to say yes to Jesus. It's just a simple word, a simple um, uh, invitation that Jesus is giving us and a way that we can respond. And so I'm just guessing that some of you watching know that this is your time to see again, to step out on faith and say yes to Jesus. Here at Providence Church, we're figuring out how to baptize people again and having baptisms every week. And so if you sense that this is a moment for you to say yes to Jesus for the first time or to recommit your life to Jesus and to have a way to mark that, I would love for you to uh, just text say yes to that number, 31996. One of our pastors will follow up with you and uh, walk with you like an Ananias to just get to the water. We're praying for you. We love you. And we believe that Jesus wants to change your life.